Hello, and welcome to Creative Catch-Up, a podcast where three friends catch up and chat about running a creative business. Each episode, Mel, Natasha and Crixis will be diving into a topic that has come up in their own creative practice. We'll be sharing our experiences, both ups and downs, struggles and successes, and hopefully give some advice that will help you along the way. So join us for Season 3, Episode 3, as we chat about having a YouTube channel. We'll be discussing in depth our channels, as well as hearing from fellow YouTuber and artist Sarah Burns. Hello everyone, it's so great to have you listening in to another episode. We are now on Episode 3, and in today's episode we're going to be chatting about having a YouTube channel. We're going to be discussing the pros, the cons, income, how we film scheduling and what we've learned along the way. We're also going to be hearing from artist Sarah Burns, who runs a YouTube channel. But I thought, first of all, let's just have a very, very, very quick catch up because we know there's lots of things we're going to be talking about with YouTube. But let's just hear quickly um, what we've been up to or if there's things on the horizon that we'd like to mention. I finished the exhibition. I am doing birds in color challenge. Um, and yeah, that, that's the, the main focus for me in this moment. How about you, Natasha? I'm pretty much working on exactly the same <laughs> as I was working on um, in the last episode. And I'm just currently in Suffolk visiting my mum. So I'm working from here at the moment. Say hello to your mum. I will do. <laughs> Let's say hi, Mum. She listens to our podcast. Hello, Natasha's hey. Mum. <laughs> oh, she'll be so chuffed. <laughs> and what have you been up to, Mel? Uh, yeah, I've just been getting ready for the open studios, which will be happening as you're listening to this episode. As it goes out, we will have been halfway through the week and I've just at the moment just put a printed order in for greetings cards and postcards. So hopefully... Um, all will be going well and I'll have lots of visitors come and come and find me. Fingers uh, crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> okay, so if everyone can introduce your YouTube channel, what kind of videos you post and when you started a channel, um, anything else you think you can add about your YouTube channel. Okay, so my YouTube handle is Natasha Newton Art and I post all kinds of art videos from my inspirations, the materials I use and a little bit of my life as an artist. I started my channel back in 2019. So I've had it for about four years now. And um, I actually had my channel for a little while before I posted my first video. So I had it for about a year before I actually plucked up the courage to post my first video. And um, yeah, I think that was because I was trying to figure out how I would be comfortable as a more introverted person having a YouTube channel. So my name is Christiane, but on YouTube I am known as Crixis. And I usually post the art-related videos up there, uh, consisting of studio vlogs, me chatting about art supplies, doing process videos. So it's kind of like a mix of everything. It's hard to kind of combine, but I think the focus point is art. And um, I started filming in 2021, so it's been a little bit over than two years. It took me 
a lot longer to start filming, I think. I actually, I have first filmed, filmed video in 2018. So it took me three years to start <laughs> filming. I think also mainly because I was shy, but I also my language was quite bad. So I was thinking if I will record in English, that would be so awful. And uh, I also was quite busy at that moment. So I was doing um, studying. So I was just putting it on the side. Melanie Chadwick is my handle. The type of videos I produce are art related. So you can get lots of artists' vlogs, sketch walks around Cornwall, sketchbook tours, some swatching and some process videos. I also love talking to other artists. So you'll also find some creative conversation videos where I go and interview artists in their own spaces. I think probably my challenge was, again, talking face to face with a camera and being comfortable doing that. So I started off just by doing vlogs, like weekly vlogs, and made myself sit in front of the camera and talk, even though I think I remember, if you look at my first vlog, I think I said I sound like a robot and I was very conscious of my voice. And that's one of the reasons actually why I, I think I wanted the challenge just to improve, just, just to be able to speak on camera because I just found it really hard uh, before then. I would clam up or I would lose my train of thought. Okay, well, let's get into the juicy part. Okay, how did you get monetized? How long did it take to get monetized? And what kind of income do you get from having a YouTube channel? So, Natasha, how long did it take for you to get monetized? Okay, so I don't know whether it's the same now, but when I wanted to monetize my channel, you had to reach 1,000 subscribers. And I think it was 4,000 watch hours in a 12-month period, wasn't it? Does that yes. sound right? Um, so I started my channel in February of 2019, and it was monetized in October of 2020. So what's that, roughly just over a year and a half? Just over a year, yeah. But I think mainly, you see, I reached the 1,000 subscribers, but I was struggling with the watch hours because at that point I was only really making much shorter videos because we had a terrible internet connection and it was really hard to upload longer videos. So that was hindering me. Um, and it was when I started uploading much longer videos that obviously my watch hours went up and I could finally be monetized. Um, and are you willing to tell us how much have you earned from having a YouTube channel so far? Yeah, I am happy to tell you. <laughs> I think it's always interesting to um, know how much people are earning from something. So when I looked it up this morning... In all the time I've been monetized up to May 2023, I've earned nearly £12,000 from YouTube. Wow. wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, for me, it's like a, a really nice side income, I would say. Obviously, you couldn't live off that, but it's, it's a useful income to have on the side. In the past year, I've earned five and a half thousand, roughly. And in the past six months, just over two and a half thousand. So there are your stats. <laughs> wow, um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, 
did you want to know my best month actually it's yeah, my best my best month was september 2022 so it's quite recent and so that was when i earned about 800 pounds in one month mm, wow. yeah but it's never normally that high <laughs> would, would you say your average then is half that amount yeah, I would actually. I would say, generally speaking, it's anywhere between 300 to usually 500 and something, depending on the number of videos I've put up, how popular they've been, and also the time of year, because the YouTube ad revenue varies, doesn't it, depending yeah. on the time of year. So yeah, there are lots of variables. That yeah, that's actually not bad. And you're right, it is kind of like, you know, a little side in income. Yeah, it's very useful. Yeah, it's useful to have it. I actually have a question for you, Natasha. Maybe can you um, explain for viewers how, like us YouTubers, like get uh, money from YouTube with AdSense? Right, okay. So every time you watch a monetized video, you'll notice that there are ads and some of them are skippable ads, which you can skip through. Um, some of them aren't. And I'm not sure about the ins and outs of how exactly we earn the money. Like, for example, if somebody skips an ad, I don't know whether either of you know, do you earn a little tiny amount of money for the part they haven't skipped? Well, I've heard if you don't skip the ads, you will earn more. So if you're a, if you're a, someone who who's viewing it and you want to help the artist watch all the ads that you possibly can on their channel yeah. whilst their video is playing and the artist will earn more. Yeah, I try to do this for my favourites. <laughs> try not to skip the ads because, yeah, it's it all adds up over the course of the month and it's surprising actually how much you can earn. It is interesting though because different advertisers will pay different amounts for what the kind of content you are oh yes that's yeah i've heard about sharing that, yeah okay how about you crixis since you've been monetized when did you get monetized so i got monetized in um nine and a half months in so i got monetized i guess a little bit um that's very good a little yeah, bit earlier that, so that's brilliant yeah <laughs> and uh but i also i had the uh, one thousand subscribers and it took I think for me it took one extra month to get um, four thousand uh, watch hours but I think it took me only month because I already had like a little bit longer videos at that moment so I think yeah especially like in the beginning like longer videos really do help with the watch hour. How much have you earned so far then from being monetized? So far I have earned uh, one thousand seventy-seven pounds, and my uh, sixth months I got uh, four hundred and nine pounds. The best month for me is this March, and it's ninety-eight pounds, which for me it was a lot. <laughs> I think last year. Because like I I haven't had like any video go go like skyrocket. I normally everything is just like really kind of in the same level. So I think like for like six months in a row last year I earned around like sixty pound per month. Um, but yeah, I'm happy that it's kind of a little bit growing, a little bit better now. So what about you, Mel? 
okay, now me, I'm probably the slowest, (laughs) 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 the longest, probably took me about four years to get monetized, if I think about it. I got monetized in June 2021. Yeah, so it's been two years. Since being monetized, I've earned £1,812. The last six months, probably similar to Crixis, is about 500, 500 to 600. The month that I've earned the most was August 2022, where I earned £220. Was there a reason for that in particular? Did you have a video that went quite big? Yeah. Yeah, successful, some good videos. Videos got um, picked up. So that was the month that I did a vacation video, so a sketchbook video. All my sketchbook videos, are they they earn the most for me and they're the top viewing as well. It is interesting to look at the analytics because I've noticed Mm. like this year, when I started posting February, March, I posted consecutively for, you know, about five weeks. And you could see that my views were up and then also my income was up for those months. Um, But every time where I just, you know, don't post regularly or Mm. just are not on it, then my average for the month will go down. Okay, that's the direct income we get from our YouTube. And... I mean, if I just get went off those figures, I think I should just give up my YouTube channel now if I just go on those figures because, to be honest, it's a lot more work and it's not actually rewarded in the ad sense. <laughs> no, it um, isn't. It isn't. Um, <laughs> it's very difficult, isn't it, on YouTube to actually make it worthwhile I mean the editing of videos takes so long and the promotion of them and everything else you have to do Mm. and uh, yeah I I mean I know that you asked me what I earned a while ago you asked me what I earned for a video that had gone really quite big for me and even then it was still under 400 pounds which um, for a video with I don't know what it's got now 80 something thousand views I think Mm. Um, it doesn't seem like a lot, does it? You think to make really good money from YouTube, you'd have to have a very big channel or lots and lots of views, really, on a consistent basis. <laughs> I wanted to just say that, though, because um, I want to lead into the fact, well, why do I keep having a YouTube channel? And one of the massive benefits I've seen of having a YouTube channel is is actually uh, the indirect income that has come into my business through having it. And what I mean by that is um, products or courses that I've made that people have then gone and bought. And I know that, say, my sketching on location course has done well. I think it's done well because I have a relationship with people who are watching my YouTube channel and although there's only you know there's 10,000 of them which actually that's a nice number but out of those engaged maybe 10% of them are engaged Um, but they want to learn more from me so actually being able to share with them that I've got a course they then 
go and buy the course. And that's where a lot of my sales have come, is have come through YouTube. Um, so I, that's why I keep my YouTube channel, because it, I think it really builds a trusting relationship with those who are watching. Um, they get to know a bit more about me, who I am as an artist. I get to share behind the scenes. I get to share with them what I'm up to and through that I think that's how I'm able to then sell uh, products like my calendar as well calendar and courses I think that's a real benefit well for me personally I guess for me Patreon is like Mel's art courses because I definitely find when I say, for example, post more videos on YouTube in a month or I have a particularly popular video, I will find that the sign-ups to my Patreon go up. So most of my patrons have come from YouTube. I think I have a few from Instagram, but mainly they come from YouTube. So this is another way in which YouTube is really useful for my art business because it really helps with patreon how about you crixis i mean like for me it's also patreon is like extra support and um i feel all of my patreons come from youtube but uh i'm really grateful that someone is like appreciating the work i'm doing and they want to kind of see a little bit more like sneak peeks and behind the scenes and uh I feel like Patreon is like another platform we could like chat about a long time as well. Definitely, yeah. But yeah, definitely Patreons are supporting me actually like much more than my YouTube channel. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and my shop also, it's like I think like I have three main income streams and YouTube is the, the least per- percentage of, of that business, so... But I really enjoy filming, so that's why it's also like, it's it's like part of documenting the journey and that's how people find me in different platforms as well. Yeah, I think that's another benefit, isn't it, though? I feel like a lot more confident being on camera and being able to present myself um, because of having to make videos and having to, you know, script them or think of ideas there's so many other benefits that have come not you know just through having a youtube channel other than just you know the adsense that Mm, yeah you get through it okay what about sponsors because i know sponsors are probably where you are going to make money i don't know if either of you do or have had sponsors or whether you've had products being sent to you actually natasha you've had some haven't you I have, yeah. I mean, I haven't actually had sponsors that have paid me in cash, but I have received goods. So, for example, like the FlexiSpot desks, I have made two videos for them and they have been, I would say, by far the biggest ticket items. I think one of the desks was around 500 and the other was around 600. Um and they were really good to work for, actually, as well. It was really fun making those videos. And I love the product as well. I am actually offered, I would say, I turn down probably a good 95% of everything I'm offered because I don't want to just promote things randomly that I wouldn't necessarily buy myself. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, I pick and choose. So I do some occasionally, but they're certainly not by any means like a main source of income for me and my channel. Yeah. How about um, watercolours? Yeah, I have, yeah, the, the watercolours that I've been sent, um, I think all of those have been from handmade watercolour makers, if I'm right in thinking that. So smaller businesses. What I want to ask, have you had any unusual, yeah, unusual opportunities through these businesses? Yeah, I tend to go for the, um, I mean, aside from Flexisbox, obviously they're a bigger company, but I really like their product and um, I was happy to promote it. But yeah, generally speaking, I think I've really paired up with a lot of handmade, um, like smaller businesses. So I feel happier doing that than the bigger, maybe the bigger Chinese companies. There is a lot to take into consideration. You need it needs to be the right fit for your channel, and uh, yeah, and I don't want people to kind of associate my channel with, I don't know, me just kind of promoting anything. It needs to be something that I believe in. That's important. I've never been like sponsored, but I have been sent a lot of things. And I remember when I started filming and someone like wrote me, I was like so happy that someone like will send something to me. But now I'm like so selective, but I remember I wasn't before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking the video will stay up forever. And is this the product I really want to have? And now I have like some uh, videos where some brands just saw them and they also have something super similar and then they want to review it because I already have reviewed something similar. Oh no. Mm. I have contacted the businesses uh, for product review. I actually contacted Etcher myself. I actually wanted to buy their like ceramic palette myself, but then I was like, I'm just gonna write. Maybe they will like be interested. Some of these like brands, they want to work with you and they have like, we want this video after like two, like they even don't like pay you, but they want like this yeah. kind of control <laughs> over you. And I, I kind of don't like it. Whereas like, for example, Etcher, which I actually really love their company. They don't ask like, add this video title, add that, add that. They're just like, yeah, you mm. can just try it out. And I feel that's like the best uh, review uh, for products. Yeah. Yeah, it's more genuine then, mm. isn't it? You don't feel forced into, into yeah. doing it. I find it very stressful when a company, say, for example, they're only sending you something that's worth maybe £30, but they're very, they're kind of like a dictating mm. exactly what you need to do in the video and what should be in the title. And it's just not worth it. Yes. Because they're not yeah. paying you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had this situation before. Um, not worth it, definitely. <laughs> mm. How about you, Mel? I mean, I get lots of people asking me whether they want to do a product review and such. But um, on my channel, there's some Tombow pens. I think I reviewed mm. those. I was excited to do that because I was like, I want to try them mm. out. So I just got them sent to me and then just did a unboxing. But I probably won't do those kind of things going forward Um I think at the time I was just a bit stuck on, I'm not quite sure what to do. 
bit. So I thought, I'll just do that. Um, I've also had like a light box as well, which has been really helpful in my business. It's like just uh, on my desk over there. There was no kind of, oh, you've got to do this video on it. Can you? It was more like, can you maybe include it casually oh. as you're working? <laughs> so Yeah, I think that's the best way, isn't it, a lot of the time? Yeah, mm. definitely. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that would be nice for us then to lead into how long it does take to create a video and what's the process. I would say that it varies a lot depending on the video. So some of them are really quick for me to film. So, for example, if I'm just sitting at the desk and I'm talking as I go, so if I'm working in my sketchbook or it's a little bit experimental or it's a, a the kind of swatching video where I'm just sitting there and trying them in real time, that's very quick for me. It's very simple to film and it's very quick for me to edit um, it becomes more complex if it's more of a vlog style video where I'm putting together lots of clips from maybe several different weeks and then including voiceovers and, um, and music as well and you're having to kind of knit it all together in a way that actually makes sense like you have a story behind it um, that can take a long, long time. I mean, sometimes videos can take me maybe, I don't know, the best part of a couple of days to edit, I would say, the longer ones, yeah. And it's a kind of very intensive type of thing to do. I find it's really tiring. Well, for me anyway. I think that's obviously to do with the migraines as well. It can sometimes cause a problem with that because I'm staring at a screen so I would definitely um, agree with the vlog type videos they take an awful lot of time yeah uh, the filming isn't I find it's the easiest part actually of anything is the filming totally, is like yeah. oh, really you found filming the easiest I think like for me the easiest is just writing description or like <laughs> <laughs> title <laughs> It's always the editing, I think, that takes the most time. Um, and like you said, Natasha, I think that the videos that take the least time are when I'm just in the studio and I've just put the camera in one position. Yeah. And then I just can maybe do something. But And do you know what's interesting is that the videos that take me less time are often the ones that are the most successful on my channel. So it kind of puts me off doing the other ones because I can put a lot of time and effort into them and then they don't seem anywhere near as popular. Yeah. And I guess that will vary from channel to channel. So what's popular on your channel, for example, would be something different to the the videos that are popular with my audience. So you kind of have to bear that in mind, don't you, when you're choosing things to film and your topics and so on. Yeah, I mean, a lot of my, my practice is outside and sketching outside. So yeah. the setup is a little bit trickier to to do. But um, I, I do find it creative. I still find it a creative process to do. I enjoy I do enjoy it. But yeah, I just know that it's I'm not really can't focus on the views mm. um, because that will just demotivate me. 
<laughs> I, I have to yeah. think of like, you know, and think of actually you're going to enjoy this. It's going to be uh, something you can be proud yeah. of that you've put together and you've told told a story of what you're doing. I mean, my favourite videos of my own to look back on are the ones that show more of my life as an artist. They're not the ones that are the most popular on my channel, but they're much more rewarding for me to have in my archive, I guess you'd say, because it means something to me. It has more substance and it's something that I'm going to look back on and it brings back memories, which is... You know, if you're just doing like an art haul or a swatching video, it doesn't necessarily. No. <laughs> but yeah, you have to weigh it up. It has to be, um, you know, obviously you want to make videos that are popular because then it helps to grow your channel and it helps with your income. And obviously it's kind of has the knock on effect, as we were talking about earlier with things like Patreon or courses or shop updates, you know, selling your work. Um, so you want the videos to be popular, but you also have to balance it with what you really enjoy doing. And and as I would say, it has a, you know, whatever has a bit more substance, really. Um, so I'm trying to kind of do a bit of a mixture on my channel at the moment. For me, I like to share my process and I like to share the behind the scenes. And I do a little bit more of that on my Patreon, really. How about you, Crixis? Um, So for me, it also varies. I think like I would like repeat myself as well, because like studio vlogs are just a lot of time. Uh, the easiest ones are where I just chat and do something, either chat or draw or chat or swatch or like something where I don't change the angle of camera. Um, but I really enjoy actually, I sometimes, I wish I could have like a little bit more time because I really enjoy kind of macro zooming of something or like if I had like more time, mm. I wish I could just like, I don't know, have two cameras, one camera just like filming from the side and one is just like focusing on like the specific things. I think over the time I have started to think how I can like, value the time a little bit with the editing because I used to actually film kind of an intro with myself and then go and do something but it is just like a lot of things you need to kind of because my space is small I need to put the camera there then put back then it's it just like half an hour is just like putting everything in the right position so even that is like the time <laughs> that takes uh, but yeah I actually I have videos which I have worked on for like a week and then there is like some videos which are just done in one day. Uh, it's like when I feel I'm the top of the hill because I'm like, I filmed and edited in the same day. Yeah. It's just like, that... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are, you, you are, you can do anything. <laughs> it, actually, I was going to say, have either of you tried or have considered doing live streaming? I would say the only benefit that I can think of but live streaming is the fact that you don't have to edit it. But yeah. <laughs> that is literally the only upside I can see to live streaming. Is this like your, this would be terrifying? This would be, if you wanted to torture me, you would make me live stream my art. <laughs> 
Okay, so it's your version of yeah, it's a nightmare. Oh, really, totally, totally. Okay. I think there are, because <laughs> I think I'm very, I'm somebody who gets very distracted. There might be something behind this, by the way, neurologically, but we won't go into that. Um, and <laughs> so I would find the comments that come up when you're live streaming, I would find it really hard to concentrate on what I was doing, as well as chatting with the audience at the same time. Um, I would be very self-conscious. I would worry about the technicalities of everything, the internet connection, the lighting, that, you know, is everything going? It would take away the joy of creating for me. So I can't see any benefit for me personally in live streaming. Yeah. But what about you? I, I have done some live streaming. Um, and yeah, it is quite overwhelming to begin with, like, you know, thinking of all the technical stuff. Um, I think, though, after about... I did it consecutively during 2020, and um, I think I found it towards the about the third or fourth. I thought, actually, it's not too bad once you get going. It's just kind of get... I found, like, anyway, just having to get over all of those thoughts, you know, right. all those... You know, because it, it does feel, like, quite overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but, but actually, I think... Well, I found I had to just kind of try to... St- step away from just all of those thoughts and just try and think I'm just in the room I'm just creating um and I I did get used to it and then I had to do a live stream for my domestic course and that was quite nerve-wracking because I knew that that the audience would be a lot bigger the thing I worried about there was like stumbling over my words not being able to speak properly or not being able to answer questions in the right way or just say a load of nonsense but again once I'd started and my heart rate slowed um it does it does get easier but I I just was thinking about it in a way to get rid of like being able to produce content without editing extra time on top yeah and without yeah, editing. editing yeah <laughs> But I know, Crixus, you did a recent live stream as well with someone else. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. So I have live streamed three times, I think, or four times. In between me thinking about doing YouTube and between posting the first video, I actually did live stream on Twitch, <laughs> which uh-huh. I don't know if you know which is, uh, what yeah. is Twitch, but it's like streaming website. So there was like one person watching me. <laughs> I don't know who that person was, but... My camera was like, I, I didn't have like camera from the top. How I filmed what I was uh, drawing, I just kind of almost like closed the laptop, but not enough. So, and, and, and from the camera, from the laptop camera, you could see the image upside down, but in the program, I, I flipped it. <laughs> so, so that was like my setup. <laughs> it's so ridiculous not to think about it, but I, and I just felt, told like the, my whole story was of how I learned English and how I decided to study abroad. So I don't know who whom I was talking about. But there was this one person I was chatting with. <laughs> then I did another one, which was last year for my Patreons. And uh, that was actually because I was super busy that um, month. And because I'm doing monthly exclusive Patreon videos, I realized maybe I will do live stream. 
And uh, now I streamed with Sketches and Scraps. She's uh, another YouTuber and uh, she's doing actually quite often she's streaming. And yeah, it was like, okay, you know what? Th third time is a charm. <laughs> uh, let's go outside the comfort zone because that is that was like one of the reasons why I agreed. And honestly, it wasn't that bad. I didn't know how many people were watching, so that probably might help. And also because I wasn't alone, it was just like we were yeah. kind of having like a chat like we do now. Because like when we chat now, we don't think about like how many people we watch. We, we are chatting about each other. And uh, I think that was also the mindset I was having when I was streaming there. But yeah, I, I remember I zoned out in some parts. And I was like, and, and then I was like, wait, I'm live. Like everything that I say, <laughs> everything is like, there is still the, the video uh, on Sketches and Scrubs live stream. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, everything I say is going live. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I think it's a brilliant thing to do if uh, you have good internet and you feel kind of okay doing it. But if yeah. you don't feel okay, then like, I think it's, it's, it's great that we, we can choose. That is right. And, you know, we we have learnt different things suit us, don't, don't they? Like, Natasha, you are rarely face on camera. You mm. We normally see your desk and your hands at work. Yeah, or you see things um, kind of from my perspective, if I'm filming yeah. outside, if I'm filming a vlog or something. Yeah, I mm, kind yeah. of do it from my perspective. Yeah, and... You know, we all have different quirks. We have different things that mm. suit us. You know, like yeah. Crixis, I just think of her hands. When she yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even if there is video without my face, because now it's quite often because sometimes I just yeah. feel like I, I'm in the mood just like, jumping yeah. in and just doing like the filming and showing so I feel like you can do it even if you <laughs> don't show your face, you can just do it in the slide. So. Yeah. It's like a singer warming up, isn't it? La, 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 la. Yeah, and it's totally become your trademark now as well. Maybe I should make like a GIF with my illustration and, and like girl just doing oh, it like totally. that. Oh, totally, yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. Okay, let's talk about how we actually, how people found our channel, so our audience. Mm. How did it grow? Um, what things have you done to help? your audience finds you yeah there definitely was for me um it was funny because I assumed because by the time I launched my YouTube channel I actually had quite a large Instagram following already and I kind of thought all oh, people will come over from Instagram and hopefully my channel will grow fairly quickly but that wasn't the case for me it was really hard and I think Mel and I have spoken about this maybe in one of our previous podcasts actually where I couldn't seem to get people to come over from Instagram to YouTube and I think most of the people found my channel just through YouTube like they were already on there and my channel was like recommended to them or something and um, my channel really grew after I had, so I think I'd been doing it about a couple of years and I suddenly did like this art haul video that was much bigger than the others I'd done. And I called it something like absolutely massive art haul. And for some reason, I think my audience at the time, I think I was on about 
I think it was under 4,000 subscribers at the time. And they obviously really liked this video and a lot of them were clicking through. And then YouTube decided to show it to a much wider audience. And to this day, that video is the most watched video on my channel in four years, is this absolutely massive art haul. And it was the one video that really grew my channel. So um, after that, yeah, my channel's kind of been growing quite steadily ever since. Um, so that was really, that was a great video <laughs> for for building, yeah. I do remember we talking about that at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah I, I, it's funny, I think in the last year, my channel has probably had the most growth. So even though I've been doing it for quite some time, mm. it's the only last year, I think, that I've seen it. So like... Because I grew, I think, 5,000 in a year. Why do you think um, that is? Have you concentrated more on your channel? or? <laughs> um, I, I did kind of have a little bit of a refresh of the channel. So, you know, looking at the branding, yeah. looking at how I was presenting myself, was it actually saying who I was? And mm. I think I had like a photo shoot back in May last year and that sounds very glamorous. It wasn't, it wasn't that glamorous. It was just like a, you know, a, a, a session I had on the beach with someone who was offering it at, at a good price. Um, but I, I thought, what what is it about me that um, makes me who I am and, and what tells me about my work? And it was basically outside, being outside, sketching outside. And so that's kind of why I thought, right, let's go with that. Let's yeah. put some photos on the channel that's actually say who I am um and yeah maybe that that helped it, I mean it definitely helped me because then I thought right now I need to make sure my videos tie with that yeah it sort of focused branding. you yeah it focused me and so a lot of my videos then became more about definitely sketching outside and other things related to that you know, sketch kits, what what do I take out with me, um, why I sketch. Um, so, yeah, it all kind of, maybe because it all tied together, it's easier for them, people, when they're coming to my channel, they can see what I'm about and then think, oh, yeah, that's, that's I can see what she's about, so I'm going to subscribe yeah. to her. I think people like to know what they're getting, don't they, on YouTube? Yes, I think that's a good point, like finding your specific niche yeah. and like when you know it then other people will know it as well yeah I, I also did work on some of my thumbnails as well <clears throat> so I I have ended up you know doing like an archway with my words mm. um, yes. so each and that only happens in the last year as well so just kind of making all my thumbnails oh you're making them consistent yeah design mm. yeah that I would put over then a nice rich photograph mm, you know mm. um and that probably helped yeah. a bit uh yeah and also collaborating I have collaborated with a lot of people um and they always bring different people to the channel so even if it is maybe 50 or so people it's still mm. 50 people that I wouldn't have you know had contact with before who have come over or yeah so that's that's another thing, you know, collaborating with other people and 
I guess that's what we're doing here, really, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and when people feature you as well, this is another thing um, that I didn't think of a moment ago. I was featured on this lady who has, like, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand subscribers I think a while back and she recommended my channel as being a good smaller channel to follow and I noticed a real influx of followers from that as well so it always helps whenever anyone mentions you it's um yeah you always see a little kind of spike in the followers yeah Mm. yeah actually doing Sandy Hester collab that brought in a lot of well people who follow Sandy's channel yeah yeah and crixis as well had people from crixis channel come over here over to my channel (laughs) that's nice i remember when when i started watching natasha i think i had like 400 i think people and there was one video when natasha mentioned me we didn't spoke like before so i was like kind of shocked (laughs) that you mentioned me (laughs) like in a good way shock and i was remember that day i uh we we went for a walk with my husband and I checked my phone and like, because like my growth was like one subscriber in like three days or something right. or four days. And I had a hundred people in that. Really? Oh, of course that makes like, me so happy. And I was like, is this really going to work? Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> honestly, I was like so grateful for you. I was like, thank you for mentioning my channel. Oh, you're very and, welcome. Gosh, that's and, amazing. Uh, yeah. So even like if I had like, like for that moment it was like one fifth of people came because I had 400 yeah. and then I had 500 and um, I think then YouTube was like oh okay let's let's just continue recommending just building an audience and like connecting with um, with people who watch you and finding like the focus point is really important mm-hmm. like for me in this moment I'm like also trying to define what is something that is like oh yeah this is Crixis yeah yeah talking about connecting with your audience how about the comment section how do you respond to your comments do you respond to all of them first of all um and what happens when you get negative or critical comments how do you deal with those well I at one point I did in fact for quite a long time I was able to respond to all of my comments And even to this day, even though there are a lot more comments now, I try and answer as many as I possibly can or at least give them a heart to acknowledge them so people know that I've read them. And I like to answer any questions as well. So if there's a question, I'll try to answer it. Sometimes it takes me a while (laughs) to get round to them, but I do try. Um, I think it's really important. I actually, I love chatting to people in the comments. I've discovered so many other YouTubers or different art supplies through people chatting about it in the comments. So it kind of, I feel like it enhances my art life in a way. And uh, so, yeah, I love doing it. Of course, you get the odd critical or even downright nasty comment. I didn't find this was a problem until my channel grew. It was when my channel grew and a lot of new people came along. I have, you know, I've been having this problem. And today I'll find that if I have a video that does better than my average video, I will always have more 
negative comments because it's coming from, you know, people are coming from elsewhere on YouTube. I have to say that most of the time, if it's like constructive criticism, I'm fine with that. If somebody is saying, I really like this that you did, but I wasn't particularly keen on that. And, you know, we can have a bit of a discussion about it. But I know the difference between that kind of comment and somebody who is just trying to be really hurtful or nasty. And the people who are really being very rude or hurtful, I'll tend to block them, to be honest, because... To, to like not highlight them as well, right? Not give them pleasure of reply. Yeah, this this is it. It's... It's like I would never do that to somebody else. So I don't expect people to do it to me for starters. Um, so I think it's unacceptable to do that. And also, if you have a comment section where like there has been the odd occasion where I've left them and I've thought, well, I won't block them now. I don't know. I'll just ignore it. But then other people see that comment. So your other viewers will come and they'll see that comment and then they'll start getting into a sort of backwards and forwards argument with the person. And I just think it brings the whole comment section down. I don't like that negativity. And I think I have every right to stop it when I see it because it's my channel and it's a place for people to be inspired and uplifted. And and I want my comment section to be a friendly space for people. I like it when they all chat to each other. Have you had much experience of this, either of you? What do you do? I am fine with uh, some of the critical comments. I have had um, some, which is... My my technical thing is like, I don't know, sometimes I, I forgot to check the light or forgot to check the audio and sometimes it's not the best <laughs> quality. So I have had like some comments like, oh, this is like, this, this is not good um, quality. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to try to improve next time. So that that's what I reply and that, then there are like some thumbs up under these comments. I'm like, okay, it's fine <laughs> because <laughs> I'm I'm still learning as well. Yeah, right. The same similar thing. I if I get, I try to respond to most of my comments. Although recently I I have felt a bit more overwhelmed by comments, um, but I think that's just because I've been, you know, when you run a course, I guess you have lots of comments coming to you anyway. So I was feeling like just a bit overwhelmed with so many comments um and uh yeah I've had a lot of critical feedback or um yeah just you know constructive feedback and I'm quite happy to respond to that you know I'm like okay I do try to take what they're saying and yeah recently I've had more people who are like oh I don't know about this but that's because I've been posting my podcast on YouTube and podcasting I think is newer to YouTube space although we're a podcast and we have it on YouTube um, if a channel I guess if people are expecting a certain type of content on the channel and you kind of switch it up a bit then you probably are going to have more people going what's going on what's happening or why are you doing this so I've had that uh, quite a few of those kind of comments on my last uh, video, which is a podcast. But I do find sometimes comments can be quite overwhelming for me. Mm. Same with the comment, overwhelmment. And I, I try to answer to 
all the comments, but it's not possible anymore. I used to, I think like for first year, I answered to everything. And now there are some comments which are like a couple of months old. And I sometimes feel guilty that I don't answer them. I think like one of the good strategies I found recently, I don't know if, if you are about doing it as well or not, but to answer to first 24 hours of publishing, like to all of those uh, comments, because there are people who are regular people who yeah. watch your videos, they are the closest uh, supporters, and then sometimes throughout the week. But I think the first like 24 hours is when, when everyone who is like really like into your videos, they watches your content. And I think it's, mm. it's, it's good to kind of... Uh, say thank you for for taking their time and kind of also writing the comment and a lot of them are really encouraging and as Natasha mentioned sharing supplies to use or like something like inspiring or like yeah. what they're doing at that that moment and it's really nice to kind of hear yeah it's a great idea actually the 24 hour thing I think I might try and do this <laughs> Somewhere I got this idea from someone else as well. And I was like, this is really good. Mm. <laughs> so, try it out as well. And everyone yeah. who is listening, uh, go to our channels. And when you see the newest video, <laughs> yeah. comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like this idea. I think I might employ this on my channel. Answer all of them within the first 24 hours. Yeah, They get a guaranteed answer. Cool. And, and then we have like two hundred and yeah, yeah. Better be careful what we say here. Yeah, <laughs> within reason. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about the kind of struggles we have with editing or producing videos, the time it takes. One question that is quite interesting to ask: Do you ever feel lonely when you create your videos? I don't know whether I feel lonely. I think because the act of making the video means that I'm going to be connecting with my followers more. So in that respect, I actually feel it's almost like when I'm recording it sometimes, like they're there with me. I kind of imagine someone being there and like we're having a two-way conversation. I don't know whether <laughs> is that weird. I don't know. But um, I don't really feel lonely. I would only say that maybe... I feel a bit lonely in the respect that when I'm shut away editing a video, sometimes it could take me much longer than I think. And of course, it will make me, I don't know, for example, like Dominic and I are supposed to have dinner together and or we'll be, we'll be, I don't know, having our evening together normally. And I'll be stuck there editing a video, trying to get it up in time and... I feel like I'm shutting myself away from him and it's kind of affecting our life a little bit. And I think I think he understands, but I think you can't fully understand what it's like and how long it takes and what, how can I put it, like how mentally draining it is unless you do it yourself. So in that respect, I feel a little bit lonely when I'm editing videos because I think that, unless somebody does it themselves they don't really understand what a strain it is on you I don't know whether that makes sense does that make sense yeah it mm. makes sense I think like even like art we create our by by ourselves and in a way 
strange in a strange way I really enjoy being all by myself so do I and like kind of in I love it yeah right in like kind of like my little corner and being like just surrounded by myself and just doing things but yeah like I mean I also have like moments where I'm just like yeah maybe I need to have like a walk or something like with my husband and spend some time off but I need to finish this video. It's going up. It's going up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy the company with myself. So yeah, I, I don't feel lonely. I, I think maybe when I started doing the YouTube channel and I didn't have an audience and there wasn't really anyone who I knew who would be waiting for a video from me, um, I think in that sense it, it may seem like a little bit not pointless but you feel like you have to really push through that first initial um barrier mm. you know because you think well what is the point because no one is there no one is waiting for a video to yeah. drop no one knows who I am yeah and yet I'm and yet I'm kind of talking and sharing and yet, yeah, in that respect, you could feel like you're perhaps just talking to yourself, couldn't you? So, yeah, yeah you would yeah. be lonely. Yeah, I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like different perspective, like how to like twist this question, because that's a good point. Mm. Yeah, so I guess you just have to, if you do feel like that, and there are people maybe who are in that position, um just know that you will find people people will find you it, you know i mean like find... we found each other <laughs> yeah. i think like with uh like even if like we are maybe if we do create things are by ourselves when we publish it we we connect and we, we chat and like now even like we are friends because of like filming and doing youtube which is yeah yeah so strange if, to think about exactly <laughs> if we had all if we had all like given up after this you know or ha never actually posted that first video this we would never, never have yeah. met you know yeah and I think the early days of YouTube when you first start a channel it really is about kind of breaking through that feeling and persevering and being consistent with it because it brings so much in the way of rewards um and the community is such a massive part of that. So when you start, I mean, everyone's going to start from zero subscribers, aren't they? We all had zero mm -hmm. at yes. one point. And so, yeah, it's breaking through that, kind of just pushing on. And you kind of just have to, I think it does help to visualise that you've got someone there and that you're chatting to them. And because uh, yeah. that's kind of how I do it, because you can feel really weird just chatting to a camera. But now, but now when you when you're doing it now, you're probably thinking of names of people, you know, who will be watching. I do, actually. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I have some regular commenters and you do feel as if you you kind of know these people. And uh, yeah, it's lovely. And then sometimes, obviously, it can become more of a friendship like with us three. Which is really nice. I feel like you you will just find your people throughout the way. Yeah. When you find also someone who is also filming videos, that's such a treasure because you can just share 
the things you are going through. I remember I was mm-hmm. like having like com- comment overwhelmment and I chatted with Mel about this. I chatted with Natasha about this and it just helps to kind of chat about these things with someone who is actually doing them as well and just like going through these things and yeah, just you will find your people. Mm. We asked landscape painter and teacher Sarah Burns to give us her thoughts and insights on running a YouTube channel. Over to you, Sarah. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this. I really admire each of you and love your channels, so I am honored to be here. My name is Sarah Burns. I go by Sarah Burns Studio online, and I'm a landscape painter living in Scotland. I moved here about seven years ago because my husband is Scottish, and I run a full-time art business teaching on Patreon and YouTube as well as doing local events. And I actually have two YouTube channels, one being my more popular art channel and a newer channel about my adventures in Scotland, which is a lot of hiking and exploring cool places. I started my YouTube channel in 2017 when I first moved to Scotland. It's actually kind of cringy to go back and watch those early videos, but I think they play an important role in showing my authentic growth over the years. Uh, As an outdoor painter, I craved videos about that, but they were very hard to come by. So I kind of saw an opportunity there, and I thought maybe it would be cool to start a YouTube channel about an artist who doesn't really know what she's doing, but wants to share the progression over the years with all the ups and downs. I have a love-hate relationship with filming, and I honestly think that filming and editing is its own art form. Um, But so when I started my initial journey of sharing my art online, I was streaming on Twitch, and that was like in 2015. And then I slowly migrated to YouTube because I really fell in love with filmmaking. And from the very beginning of my painting journey, I've been obsessed with painting outside. And I love being able to share that unique experience with the viewer, which is not so easy doing in like a live streaming format on Twitch. So YouTube really felt like the natural choice. But it really didn't come easy at first. And although I was well-versed in photography, videography is a whole other beast. Dealing with different camera settings, windy microphone issues, video editing, file storage, let alone the incredibly difficult challenge of filming myself while painting and making sure everything is in focus, that kind of stuff can really take me out of my flow state because I want the video to turn out well. And to be honest, even after many years of doing this, I still struggle with that aspect, but I really love the creative challenge of piecing together a video that tells a story and shares an authentic experience. I didn't start monetizing my YouTube channel until 2020 because before that, I felt like my priority was to grow as a filmmaker and an artist, and I already had my Patreon going, so I just mentioned that a lot in my videos. Um, But then the pandemic hit and all of my galleries were closed and there were no art fairs happening. So I freaked out a little and decided to monetize my channel. Uh, And luckily, I had already started uploading regular videos in 2018. So I had a few years of content and experience under my belt and those could like already start making a little money. 
But most YouTubers know that AdSense revenue isn't typically the main source of income. Actually, I just checked mine and I've made just over nine grand over the last five years. <laughs> so most of that is since 2020 as well. If you factor in the amount of time videos take to create and doing multiple videos a month, that's a very, very small hourly wage and could never sustain a business. So I always see my YouTube revenue as more like a bonus. Like it kind of covers groceries and some supplies. Um, and don't get me wrong, I will gladly let YouTube ads pay for my groceries. But I quickly learned that YouTube is not the source of income, but it's the best way to naturally advertise my main revenue sources, which are Patreon, Skillshare, and selling my own products through my web shop. And since I started posting multiple videos per month a few years ago, my income from those revenue sources has more than tripled. YouTube does open a lot of doors for partnering with companies through sponsorships or products, but I've always turned down sponsorships because I really want to keep the focus on my art and my own sources of providing value through Patreon and so forth. And it allows me to upload on my own schedule with no obligations and all my efforts support my own projects. But the coolest opportunity I've had so far is partnering with a company to create a set of custom gouache brushes. So designing the exact size and length and shape and hair type to help me paint my gouache landscapes in my favorite ways. And because I'm really picky about my brushes, I made sure they're super high quality and actually something I want to use. And it's just so cool to be able to use brushes I designed in my videos and see other people all over the world using them for their art. What are your struggles? I really struggle to see past my mistakes. Like when I finish a painting, pretty much all I see are areas I can improve. It's really hard to see it for what it is. And in a way, that's a blessing because it does help me continually improve, but it's also exhausting to just never be satisfied with what I make. But I think this is what helps me stay focused on the experiences rather than the results. So I have all these incredible memories of where I've painted, but I can barely remember the art I created. <laughs> but connecting to the land by painting it really leaves me with a more profound experience. And in retrospect, that feels like a very fulfilling life. If you are starting over as an artist today, would you create a YouTube channel? Yes, absolutely. Art is a process, not just a result. And I think people crave authenticity, being able to witness the process of creation and understanding the why behind what we do. Videos are a wonderful method for delivering that information. If you had to choose between having a YouTube channel or an Instagram account, what would you choose? Oh, 100% YouTube all the way. I barely use Instagram anymore in comparison. What is your best advice for someone starting a YouTube channel? Just start. I think a lot of people get hung up on trying to make each video the best video ever or making their first video so perfect. But to get good at it, it takes a lot of repetition and learning from each video to make your next video even better. And I feel like YouTube is a marathon, not a sprint. Don't expect viral videos. Don't expect instant success. It takes time to build an audience that cares about you and your art and will keep coming back. 
Oh, and be authentic. Don't copy other people. Just make videos how you want to make them and about things you truly love. That was really interesting to hear, Sarah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that information. I know it will be really helpful to our listeners, particularly those who are thinking of starting a YouTube channel. Um, so, Natasha and Crixis, if you were starting over as an artist today, would you still create a YouTube channel? My answer would be a resounding yes. I say yes as well. What about you, Mel? And I would say yes as well. If you had to choose between having a YouTube channel or Instagram account, which one would you choose? A YouTube channel. YouTube channel. Yeah, YouTube channel. Even though I have way more followers on Instagram, I would choose YouTube. That is interesting. Well, actually, because Instagram doesn't pay you anything. No, and Instagram is making it incredibly hard for my work to be seen. My reach is a tenth of what it once was. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really bad at the moment. So, you know what? YouTube all the way. (laughs) (laughs) Team YouTube. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so for our final question from this marathon episode... Briefly sum up in a few sentences how having a YouTube channel has added to your life as an artist. Having a YouTube channel is also like a diary where you document your life and growth as an artist. So I think I changed a lot throughout these two years and I'm just really excited to to see where where I will go from this point onwards. Yeah, I think I've realised just how much I love documenting my life as an artist and sharing with other people exciting things that I find, whether that's new art supplies, a new colour palette, um, whatever it is, any other form of inspiration. And for me, the community is the huge thing about YouTube that has completely, I would say, enhanced my life. Yeah, and I would probably repeat both of those because when I started my YouTube channel, it was to... First of all, it was to improve myself, but also to connect with other artists. And so actually doing YouTube gave me opportunity to do that and also gave me an excuse because like with the creative conversations, I then invited myself to go and visit other artists' studios and talk to them and Mm. find out about them. And and that actually helps me then make real-life connections. That's so valuable, isn't it? Okay, so this week's listener question is from Amanda Beck and she says, my question is how often should you send a newsletter? I've signed up to some newsletters, then felt bombarded by daily emails and then unsubscribed. I'd be interested in your experience on best practice for newsletters, content, links, selling, news, images, length, frequency, planning, themes, design, etc. It's something I'm trying to develop as I'm struggling on social media to reach my audience. I actually do have a mailing list and I only send out a newsletter whenever I have a shop update coming up. So whenever I put new original art or prints or whatever into my shop, I let the newsletter subscribers know. And I don't send any other newsletters because... I think so many people these days are signed up to so many different things. And I know personally I got bombarded by different newsletters from different companies. I would include a couple of images sharing my recent artwork. 
I would mention what they can expect to see in the shop update, the time and the date it's happening. I think that if you write a long newsletter, then I think people will end up not reading it. So that's why I tend to keep them quite short and to the point. Thanks so much for listening and tuning into our new season. Huge thanks to Sarah Burns for her input. And thanks also to our listeners, Matt and Annetta, whose questions on YouTube have been included in this episode. We hope you will join us next time on our creative catch-up when we will be chatting about creative burnout, the warning signs, how to watch out for it, and the things we can do to help us create when we are not feeling the best. Find us on YouTube at Creative Catchup or Instagram at creative.catchup. Until the next episode, three, two, one, stay, stay creative. creative.